Hello, hello. Welcome back to Peak Northwest, an outdoors and travel podcast by The Oregonian and Oregon Live, dedicated to the adventure and exploration of our beautiful Pacific Northwest. I'm Jamie Hale. And I'm Jim Ryan, and together we take you to some of the most beautiful and interesting destinations in our region, discussing where to go, what to do, and places to see. And today, Jamie, we're talking about one of the best ways to experience some of Oregon's beautiful rivers. We're pulling on our waders, lathering up with some sunscreen, and stepping into the water for a bit of fly fishing. And Jim, as I understand it, you recently just did some fly fishing. Was that for the first time or have you done that before? You know, I went out fly fishing this summer for an episode of the Peak Northwest video series, which just came out. So that is the impetus of this. But I had been once before, I think, back home in Michigan, fly fishing on a lake. I don't really recall much about the experience other than it was a good time and I was pretty excited to give it another shot. I have to say, Jim, I have literally zero experience (laughs) fly fishing. I've seen people do it. You know, I saw some demonstrations at the fly fishing station at the Portland Outdoors Expo a few years ago. But that is pretty much where my experience with fly fishing begins and ends. So I'm going to be leaning real heavily on you for some of the knowledge here today. Well, lean heavily on me. That's like leaning on a house of cards. Uh, there's, <laughs> there's not much to lean on here. But thankfully, I had a really good teacher when I went out fly fishing. Friend and colleague Rosie Stein and I have been talking about fishing for quite some time. She is an avid angler, lives down in central Oregon and showed me the ropes a little bit. Uh, And we actually have Rosie here on the show today. Rosie, how are you doing? I'm doing well. It's nice to be on here with you guys. It's great to have you. You are basically 100% of the expertise on this show here today. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's better than a house of cards, but it's kind of like a VW beat up bug probably. But yeah, better than a house of cards. I'll take it. I'll take it. You got to take what you can get. Rosie, I had a lot of fun. Getting out on the river with you. I I didn't bring a whole lot of skills to the table, but uh, I had a lot of fun. Give us the rundown of where you took me. Maybe uh, throw a couple jabs at my fishing skills. Uh, Let's just get that (laughs) out of the way. First things first here. You actually caught fish, so (laughs) there's no jabbing to be had because uh, after the day is over, that's kind of where you're looking. Did we catch anything? Was there any success? And we both had success, so... We did well for that day. We um, took a very hot July morning and stepped into the Crooked River, which runs between Prineville and the Prineville Reservoir. The river is open for fishing along, I don't know, like 15, 16 miles of that road there. And we picked a spot in there and uh, put our lines in that morning. So that's where we were. We were mostly looking at trout. Uh, There's some white fish in there. Um, occasional other things pop up, but for the most part, you're looking at medium-sized rainbow trout through that river, that area of the river. If if only we had found any of the medium-sized rainbow <laughs> trout, though. <laughs> Anyone who watches this well, video. Well, but they, it was their children, so, yeah. you know, hey, someday those will be medium-sized rainbow trout because we put them back in and See. they got to go up and grow, so... 
There we go. One of the biggest crack ups for folks who watch this video is the fact that I am getting super excited about a fish that's like, I don't know, <laughs> half the size of my hand. Uh, really, <laughs> really small fish. But guess what? They, I hadn't caught a fish in really. years. They were really small fish. And, you know, sometimes you do get completely skunked. So those small fish can be, you know, just enough of a push to keep you going. So for those of us who don't know a lot about uh, fly fishing or maybe even fishing in general, what differentiates fly fishing from other kinds of fishing? Well, generally for for independent um, anglers, you're either doing fly fishing or bait fishing. Um, bait is pretty much what it is, what it sounds like. You're either dealing with live or dead substances that fish like to eat, and you're putting them on a hook, dropping them in the water, and just hoping that something's going to swim by and think it looks tasty. Fly fishing, uh, especially for us anglers who are really into it, um, is is a lot more interactive. You're thinking about your connection to the fish in the water. What are they eating? How deep are they? Can we see them, you know, going for the flies that we're presenting? It's, it has a lot to do with how you present the fly and what it looks like in the water, whether or not a fish will be interested in it. Um, I just feel like when you fly fish, you're really learning something about what you're doing in the water. And that's uh, a big difference to me uh, from what bait fishing can be. You, you try a lot of different kinds of flies. You learn about what fish eat what things during certain times of the year. Uh, one thing that's really hilarious is you, you really get to know bugs. <laughs> mm-hmm. Usually bugs are annoying and you hate bugs and you don't want bugs in your campground or, you know, at your, in your tent. But when you're a fly angler, you're spending your time on the water looking around to see what's flying, what's landing in the water, what's hanging out in the bushes. Because if you have something in your your box that is similar to that and the fish are rising for that, you know, you get a much better shot at actually getting one of the bigger fish if you can get um, something out there that the fish are interested in, um, you know, eating. So that's a big difference to bait fishing. It seems like there's so many like beautiful rivers in Oregon and so many places that fish love to hang out. How do you decide like what is a good place to mm-hmm. go to go fly fishing. Right. Um, that is, you know, uh, boy, it's, it's actually come a long way since I started fly fishing in the eighties, you know, well before the internet. Um, and you kind of just went with friends or you talked to a buddy who, you know, was an avid angler and they'd say, well, this time of year, it's really great on such and such a river. Or you go to a fly shop and ask them, you know, what's biting and, and where can I go? Now, with the internet, it's just so easy to just call up different fishing reports and read about regulations and what times of the year are better on, you know, certain rivers. There's a lot of things to consider. There are rivers that are open all year round. There are rivers that are only open during certain parts of the year. Um, you have to know that before you head out that direction. And you do want to make sure that you know what the regulations are in each river that you go to. One great thing about fly fishing is it's open. You can fly fish anywhere. Bait fishing is only allowed at certain places. Um, So if you have a fly rod and some flies, you can go pretty much anywhere as long as it's not private property and give it a shot. Um, You know, but knowing what kind of fish are in that water 
and when they're, you know, most likely to be in that water is pretty key to whether or not you're going to have any success. You can always throw a fly in the water, but it's nice to know that there might be something actually in there that you can attempt with your flies. So um, knowing fishing regulations for your state and the area that you're visiting is pretty key, but they're all available online. It's really easy to look that stuff up. And Rosie, I'm 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 going to allow you to step onto your soapbox right now. Uh, <laughs> you and I have sent a lot of emails back and forth, done a lot of time talking about fly fishing, where you're going, what you've caught, what you wish you caught. Uh, why do you love fly fishing so much? What What's the magic? What's the hook, if you will? You know, for me, um, a lot of it has been, especially during this time of the coronavirus, it's something you can do completely by yourself. It's not weird to be out there by yourself. Nobody expects you to have a crew, you know, or a bunch of people around. It gets you out away from crowds, crowded parking lots at hiking trails. You know, you don't need, if you're going to hike a trail, you made a plan, you go to that trail. And if there's 37 cars right there, you kind of have to start all over again or give it up for the day. Fishing is great because if you show up at the river and there's a bunch of people in your spot, you just go up farther in the river or Hmm. you, you know, hike up another four miles and go, you know, get off the beaten path and see if you can be, you know, on your own. I uh, it, this year especially, has go- have gone out of my way to look for places where there probably are fish and probably aren't a lot of people. And I've been really successful with that, which has been, you know, great. I am lucky, you know, living in Central Oregon. Uh, it's sort of the Mecca pretty much in the Pacific Northwest. I mean, there people could argue there are better spots, but I just have lots of options out here within very easy driving distance, which you may not have in Portland. It's a little harder in Portland, um, especially for trout fishing to find um, areas that are good for that sort of fishing and won't have, you know, a bunch of people. However, you know, as long as you do your homework, you can find it. Another thing for me is I just feel like each time I'm on the water, my skills increase. Um, Part of it is gear, but part of it is just practice and time and just having a problem and working your way through it or getting a beautiful big fish on and then going, oh, wait, I don't know how to land this fish. (laughs) Um, Yes, that just happened to me. So and I learned an amazing lesson about that. So uh, some of it is uh, what you may learn from experts or guides or by reading, but a lot of it is what you're learning hands-on while you're on the water. And so that, to me, I feel like I I have a lot of room to grow in this sport. It isn't something that I mastered in two trips, and now I'm bored. Every time I go, it's exciting, even if I don't catch anything or even if I don't even see any fish. I still feel like I'm learning something each time that I go. That's a great feeling, to be able to know that you're stepping up progressively each time you practice, each time you go to the river, to the lake, or whatever it may be. Um, And one of the things that we were excited about launching our Peak Northwest video this time of year is fall, among other seasons, can be a really good time to go hit the river. What's a little bit of the seasonality uh, of fishing, specifically fly fishing, here in the Northwest? Well, there's a couple different aspects. One would be what type of fish you're actually angling for. Um, I'm more of a trout angler for the most part. 
And this time of year is a wonderful time of year for trout. The waters are starting to cool back down again. Uh, if we get a couple nice rainstorms, it's mixing in different types of bugs and things that are on the water. And there are some rivers, especially here in central Oregon, that fish the best in September, October, early November, if November doesn't get you know too cold and snowy. Um, it's also steelhead season. So folks who have larger rigs, you know, you need bigger rods and, and better line for that kind of thing. But the steelhead are moving in eastern Oregon, central Oregon, along the um, Columbia and the uh, lower Deschutes. So people who love those really nice big fish, this is a great time to be out there and getting your uh, flies in the water for those because they're pretty prized all the way through the Pacific Northwest and they're not something you can get them in the spring and you can get them in the fall. They're not even around in the summertime. So summer's nice for anglers because it's warm and you can just stand mm -hmm. in the water and you don't get, you don't freeze or get rained on for the most part, but it's not a super, super great time for the fish. I feel like a lot of people may be, you know, um, looking at some of the off season too for, you know, ways to get started into fishing, maybe for those who just want to start looking at what kind of gear they might need to get or what kind of um, experience they might need to have. So for those who are just getting started, what kind of advice do you have for, for getting into fly fishing? Well, for folks who are interested, and this is why it's great that this podcast is only like an hour or less, <laughs> because I could go on for six or seven hours and you guys would be asleep. And But it, if you know someone who really likes to fly fish, I double guarantee you that they'll at least want to talk to you about it, <laughs> if not hook you up with gear and take you out. Um, some fly fishermen, like I said, are pretty solitary and they like to go by themselves, but I see them in groups all the time and it is really great to go with someone who has at least some level of knowledge so that if you're having trouble or you get a fly stuck in a tree hmm. or you've got a huge knot or something, there's somebody there to walk you through what it takes to, you know, to overcome some of the obstacles. Um, as far as gear goes, a lot of fly fisher people who have been doing it for a while are going to have extra gear. A lot of anglers have extra uh, rods, by the way, the fly rods are called rods, not poles. <laughs> Usually if they say they have a fishing pole, that means it's bait or it's somebody who doesn't fish that much because uh, fly rods are rods. Um, they might have an extra. They may have gear for getting in the water. They're definitely going to have plenty of flies and lots of line. The other option, if you're just all on your own and you don't know anyone who's into this, um, fly shops love for new people to come in and talk to them about fishing. Uh, part of it is they hope to sell you something, but a lot of it is those guys are in those shops. Those people are in those shops because they love this. They, you don't, you don't start a fly shop just to make money. You're fly, you do it because that's what you love to do all the time. So if you're in there all the time, you've got knowledge, you've got gear, you've a lot of fly shops rent gear, not they don't all but a lot of them do. So if you check on their websites or call them first, uh, you know, to in the area where you're going, you can say, hey, look, I'm coming to such and such area. And I'd like to try such and such river. What do you suggest? And they, you know, will hook you up or at least give you some advice. 
Other options are getting folks uh, that offer classes. Years ago, I took a casting class from community college, and I don't know if they do that anymore, but it was something you could do, you know, in the 80s anyway. Um, Now, their casting classes are pretty much either groups, like online groups who you know, our groups of fisher, uh, anglers who hang out together and do things together will offer uh, um, classes or workshops on that sort of thing. And then also fly shops normally have classes from everything from tying flies to casting to reading water, you know, those sorts of things. But I will say probably the easiest and fastest way I learned uh, is just um, spending some time on the internet with some of these YouTube fly fishermen. Um <laughs> It's funny because, you know, they did, we didn't have that when I started, but now there are a lot of anglers who travel all over the United States and even other parts of the world who then YouTube their exploits. And a lot of them are really knowledgeable and give great tips. And if I can do a shout out to Huge Fly Fisherman, so Huge Fly Fisherman, he has a website and a YouTube channel, and I wa- he drops a YouTube video every Monday, and they're always hilarious, they're always really beautiful, and he's got great tips. I learned a lot from him, just little things that I might be having problems with. I was having a lot of problems with hook sets, so when the fish takes your fly, you need to pull back on the rod quickly and that sets the hook. And I was having problems not getting the hook to set. And he had a video on different types of hooks, hook sets, depending on where you are in the river and what kind of fish you're fishing for. And it was really super helpful. And it took me, you know, 10 minutes of watching his video to get a better handle on how to do a hook set. So definitely check out Huge Fly Fisherman, even if you're just looking for a funny guy who, you know, does a lot of fishing and, and has great uh, advice. So, but that's, that's a really easy way to learn a lot about fly fishing. Yeah. It's amazing what you can pick up by watching kind of a craftsman at work, if you will, someone who really knows what they're up Absolutely. to and Absolutely. can, you know, just learn by osmosis a little bit, learn by watching. But all that said, Rosie, we want to hear some of your recommendations about where folks should go fly fishing. But first, we're going to take a short break. All right, folks, we are back talking with avid angler Rosie Stein, our friend and colleague here at the Oregonian, talking all about fly fishing on some of Oregon's amazing rivers. Rosie and I went out to the Crooked River for a day this summer. She taught me a thing or two. Uh, Rosie, why'd you pick that section of the Crooked River to take me out for kind of my first time on, on the river here in Oregon? Well, the Crooked is definitely known in this area as a great place for beginners, for kids, for older folks. Um, Part of it is the accessibility of the river. It's all really flat. It's right along the road. So you don't need to hike in seven miles, you know, to do your fishing. There are campgrounds up and down the whole BLM area through there. So those offer places to park and um, bathrooms, which is always great. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, it's a nice river for beginners in that it has plenty of fish in it. There are pretty good hatches now and again as far as bugs to look for to help you uh, figure out what you are going to toss in the water. Um, and it there people are fairly successful there. It's tough to get smoked on <laughs> the crooked and not get anything. That said, 
Um, you know, we, we pretty much saw only little guys while we were out there, but it was super hot. So I'm using that as my excuse for, for why we didn't hook into anything bigger. We did see that one kid hit that really big fish, which was really <laughs> the kid sad. Outdid us. She so outdid us and she didn't care. She was so bored by the whole thing. And I kept thinking, oh my God, girlfriend, that's the best fish and you just missed it. Oh, but she, she did uh, hook into a nice one, which we did not. But in any case, that that kind of explains why the cricket is a nice place to take beginners in that they're going to be fairly successful and hopefully enjoy their time on the water. Um, there are lots of other great places to fish in central Oregon, especially. We have several mountain lakes that are open to fly fishing only. There are lots of sections of rivers that are fly fishing only. Um, of course, the Deschutes, and it's split into three different sections is really prominent, you know, out here for anglers. A lot of great fish in all different sections of that river. So there, there are plenty of places to go out here so that you can't, you'd have to work pretty hard to get bored and um, not find nice places to, to fish. Uh, one of the top meccas, if you will, is the Metolius, which is just a little east of Black Butte, um, and is well-renowned, like world-renowned for how beautiful it is and how amazing the fishing is in there, but it's hard. So a lot of times uh, I'll have friends who are interested in going to the Metolius, and I'm willing to do that, and I've had some success there, but it is not some place where you're going to pick a fish out, you know, no matter how horrible your presentation of the fly is. <laughs> um, but it is beautiful, and it's worth the hike. It can be very busy. So you have to try to get out there when there aren't, you know, as many people during the week is good. Off seasons are really good. Um, uh, let's see what the Fall River, the Fall River is south of Sun, south and west of Sun River. Um, it's also pretty renowned for beautiful crystal clear water. Um, great fishing, especially in, in the fall in October is a great time. I haven't been up there yet this year in the fall but it's on my list <laughs> and some beautiful fish in there too, but also not easy. The clearer the water is, the more, um, you know, crystal it is. It's harder in that the fish see you and they're like, Hey, I see you up there. <laughs> I'm, mm -hmm. not, I'm just not going to do anything. So you have to really have a plan and uh, present beautifully and stay out of the water as much as possible. So they don't know, you know, have you, tromping around and, and scaring them off. So those are just some of the great places here in Central Oregon. Um, as far as the Portland area goes, um, I didn't do a lot of fishing in my early sessions. I lived more in the McMinnville area, and there are a lot of great streams that go from the coast or the coastal mountains towards the coast. And those are worth looking at too. Um, again, ask a fly shop because they're going to let you know what's running and what you might encounter while you're on those. Uh, the Sandy River um, up in the Sandy Welches sort of area, another great place, at least for trout, um, which is um, something that I, you know, concern myself with. I think the Clackamas is fishable, up, you know, in the more Estacada sort of area. Uh, but again, that's not something I've tried. But it's fairly close for people who live in the Portland metro area to go up and hit that. Um, the Wilson River, which runs um, outside the Tillamook Forest up along Highway 6, that's a great place to try to do some fly fishing as well. Um, some of those areas are a little harder to uh, get access to. They're not 
um, easily just right off the road. But uh, Google Maps is your friend. I use Google Maps a ton to look at how I can approach rivers that I might want to try, where the roads get the closest and where the hiking is gets the closest. And uh, it's worth it's worth it. It's fun. You get in a lot of exploring as well as fishing, which is is a good time. Rosie, as as you've been talking about fly fishing, I know you mentioned that you know getting to fish at the end of the day is kind of what you're there for. But it also sounds like there's so much just about the experience itself. You're talking about connecting with the river and connecting with the bugs and the fish. You know, it it kind of sounds like a spiritual experience out there. You know, you're overcoming these obstacles. You're out there connecting with nature. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about what that element of the experience is like when you're out there, you're on the river, and you're really in it. Yeah, you know, and it starts, Jamie, even before you get on the water. So you might, let's say it's a Friday afternoon, you're thinking about getting off for the weekend, and you're not quite sure what you're going to do with your weekend. And for me, I may just head to Google Maps and start looking at rivers in my area that I haven't tried yet. And then if something looks good, then I start Um, researching, you know, what might be in it and what I should take if I'm going to go. And those kinds of, it's the anticipation, the anticipation of settling on sort of a plan and then going and just seeing what comes of it. And it is so much more about the experience than actually what size fish you may actually get all the way to hand, you know. Um, I do mostly cast, well, in fact, this year, nothing but catch and release fishing. So it isn't even about bringing any fish home. I catch them and then I let them go. And to me, I say thank you, you know, for them even being there, giving me a shot, allowing me to work, you know, my uh, skills to see if I can catch a fish. I'm real careful with them. I honor that they're there and that's where they live. I try to be really careful about how I approach the water and how much I'm in the water. This time of year, some fish are laying eggs. So you have, you know, some spawning happening. So you want to be really careful about where you're walking in the water so that you're not tromping on uh, baby fish that might be coming up for next year. Um, And yeah, it's about knowing about nature, knowing about the river, the flows, you know, what's going on in the river at that time. And it connects you. It absolutely connects you to that piece of water, no matter where it is that you might, you know, have ended up. Um, It is a big deal for me anyway, and I enjoy it enough to spend quite a bit of time doing it. And uh, it's definitely a, a part of fishing that you may, or being outside that makes it different than hiking or camping or you know, some of the other pursuits that you can do, you know, along Oregon's waters. Rosie, thank you so much for, for sharing all about your fly fishing and for coming on the show to talk with us today. I really appreciate it. I'm so happy to do it. Like I said, fisher, people who spend time in the water like to talk about spending time in the water. <laughs> this is definitely a, a thing. Well, Rosie, I know I also really enjoyed getting out there on the river with you and for folks who want to check out the video that we made here with our colleagues at the Oregonian you can find that in the show notes for this episode. Rosie, thanks again so much for coming on the show. You bet. Thanks Jim and Jamie. So Jim, I I want to know one last thing before we wrap it up here. So after going out fly fishing with Rosie, your first time, you had a couple stumbles, you know, you got a little <laughs> fish. Are you are you planning on going back out there anytime soon and giving it another try? So, JB, we've said this on, on the podcast before. 
that I am not allowing myself to pick up any more hobbies, <laughs> right? You've got a lot of things that you're interested in and uh, picking up more makes you spend less time doing all of them. That said, I had a really good time fly fishing with Rosie. It was extremely fun. I have, like Rosie said, a ton to learn. So every time I get back in the river, I will become just probably exponentially better, keeping in mind I'm starting at like zero here. Um, zero being beginner, 10 being an expert. And it was, I don't know, I, I have only good things to say about the experience. I would definitely do it again. I would absolutely get out with Rosie specifically again because she really knows her stuff. She brings the right attitude to the river and was super patient with, you know, this super novice out on the river, falling down, catching bushes, not knowing how to cast well, getting excited about little baby fish. But I might not bring skills to the table, but at least I can bring some good vibes. And uh, yeah, great experience. Would do it again for sure. I'll have to give Rosie a call next time I'm out there in Central Oregon and uh, we'll have to trade some fishing stories. I like that. I like that. The three of us could get out someday uh, post-COVID and get a little little adventure out, out there on the river. Sounds good to me. That said, Jamie, time to say goodbye for now. You folks can watch our videos, including this one about fly fishing on the Oregonians YouTube channel. Follow us on Instagram at Peak Northwest and view all of our travel and outdoors coverage on OregonLive.com slash travel. Please leave us a rating or a review if you enjoy the show. And if you want to support this podcast and our local journalism, please consider a subscription to Oregon Live. You can find details, of course, on OregonLive.com slash pod support. This episode of the podcast was produced by me, Jim Bryan, alongside Jamie Hale and Elliot Noose. Stay safe and happy travels, everyone. Until next time, we leave you with this 10 seconds of Zen.